This is a KNX in-depth special. Mayor Karen Bass, year one in focus. Here's Chief Correspondent Charles Feldman. So here we are, one year in, give or take a day, <laughs> into <laughs> right. uh, Karen Bass being mayor of the city of Los Angeles. I like to think of it as the beginning of the second year. That's right. Of, it's day one of year two. Okay, day one of year two. Uh, <laughs> so welcome to uh, Karen Bass, uh, the mayor of Los Angeles City. Thank you for being with us. And I'm going to start off, uh, I wasn't planning to start off this way, but I will because last week, mm-hmm. and we were talking a little bit about this before we began the, the show, uh, you became sort of this, sort of this medical hero <laughs> because, because you're laughing, but it's true. Uh, you know, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, there was a news conference mm-hmm. that you uh, were conducting, and a uh, local camera person took ill and collapsed. And because of your background, uh, having been in, in uh, uh, the medical profession uh, for a good number of years before you were in the state uh, assembly and the mm-hmm. Congress and, and now mayor, uh, you instantly, and it was like a reflex, uh, right. You, because uh, I watched the, the, the video, mm-hmm. you just ran to the aid of, of the person. And that does make me think, is there a part of you, as much, and I've heard you say how much you like being mayor, mm-hmm. but you were so instinctive in helping somebody who had clearly taken ill. Is there a part of you that kind of still wishes you were in the medical profession or regrets that you left it? No, uh, it isn't. But I am involved all the time, whether it's sick relatives and I'm visiting somebody at the hospital Mm. or helping a friend or a family member navigate the medical system. So I left it full time. But those, you know, the experiences and then my focus was emergency medicine. And so when I saw him, it really was a reflex. I didn't even think about it. And I was also looking directly at him. Everybody Mm. else was off to the side. And it was two police officers. There were three of us that were attending to him. Well, but 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 so it was interesting to see how you reacted uh, to that. Um, let's talk about uh, your first year as mayor, and then we'll go a little bit into sure. what you want to do uh, mm-hmm. going forward. Um, so, of course, you you came into office. You you ran actually for the office, largely not exclusively, but largely on the homeless. Issue okay. uh, with a promise to there was that figure that that and I hate these numbers about seventeen thousand. Well, I'm going to ask you about that. <laughs> well, let me ask you about that. Sure. Because um, I heard you say uh, at at some previous event uh-huh. when asked about that number seventeen thousand you know people off the street in the first year you're in office. Um, I, and I think your response was along the lines of you know well you people I think you meant the media mm-hmm. wanted a number so I gave you a number seventeen thousand. So did you just make that number up? No. I mean, no, no, where did they no. come but, from? But let, let me talk about that, yeah, though. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, when I tried to be honest with the reporter, when I was first beginning to run, mm-hmm. and she wanted me to come up with the number, and I said, no, I won't, because I want to be thoughtful about mm-hmm. it. Otherwise, I would just be pulling a number out of the air. Sure. And the way the article was written was, well, she doesn't know what she wants to do. And so what I did was I assembled my policy team, and we came up with a pretty comprehensive strategy to get to that number. Mm-hmm. Of 17,000. And so it was multiple efforts. Some of those efforts we followed through on. Some of them we diverted our way. But you're asking somebody to put numbers together who is not in the office, who has not worked for the city before. So, uh, but, But most of the strategies we did focus on. So, for example, I knew that I wanted to focus on getting people off the street, but I had no idea it was going to be Insight Safe. Mm -hmm. We developed Insight Safe after I took office. And that was just one 
feature. The other feature was enabling Angelinos to use vouchers because you might remember stories about how L.A. returned vouchers mm-hmm. back to Washington, D.C. Yes. Yeah. by the thousands. So I said we were going to use vouchers. I also said we were going to expedite building, and so we did. I did executive directives that uh, reduced the approval time from six months to 37 days. So that means more housing will come online next year. The other thing is is that we found a number of units where they were stuck in the process, mm-hmm. and so we were able to address why they were stuck, and many units opened up this year. So you know what I feel like we've done is I feel like we have built a strong foundation. We know what we're doing now. We know what we're working with. The other thing is is that I knew the system was broken, but I didn't know where and why. Now I understand. Now you know. So exactly. how? All right. So that. Begs the question, how broken was it? Way, uh, it broken beyond <laughs> my imagination. Really? And let me just tell you one of the challenges. You know, it's a city-county effort. Sure. And so one accomplishment is the city and the county now, we're not pointing fingers at each other. We're working lockstep together. The data... The data system that was put in place by the county is extremely weak, and so we have to straighten that. So a lot of times media will ask us, well, what about this, and how many people are here, and how many people are there? Sometimes they, they're thinking we don't want to tell them. Mm. No, it's because we don't know. So we have really built a data system now with the county. There's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but our data is better now. Well, let me ask you about the the, <laughs> the question that you anticipated about you know how how many there? How many there? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So the figure now is, uh, I think this comes from you, but I may be wrong. Let me know. Um, 22,000, is that 21, it? 21,000. 21,000 right. Angelinos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're very careful, because mm-hmm. you're a careful person. <laughs> you are. But you've been very careful to say Angelinos. Right. So That's are right. you including people who are outside I am the not. city of Los Angeles? I am not including people who are outside. And that is a really important point, because here we are, taxpayers in Los Angeles City, tax themselves so that we would build housing. Do you know that in there's many instances where the very people placed in that housing are from outside of Los Angeles City? Hmm. Now, they're from the county, right. but still taxpayers in Los Angeles City tax themselves. And so I've been very diligent about making the difference between the city and the county. So we've actually hired data folks and Mm -hmm. the data person from the city, the data person from the county are working lockstep in rebuilding the data system. Does it disturb you? I'm sure it does, but... but... You read about people, uh, and I've read about them, I've heard some of them on TV and radio, uh, who have been in temporary housing. Yes. And then they leave, and they say they didn't feel either safe or they felt like they were almost in a, in a prison-type condition because they had to go through checks and uh, they weren't allowed to have friends or relatives visit them. Um can that be realistically eliminated as an obstacle uh, in order for people who are now benefiting from temporary housing so they feel they're never going to feel at home, but at least somewhat close to being at home? Well, let me just tell you one of the weaknesses that we will address next year, and that is when people are placed in the motels, Mm -hmm. it's real uneven the level of services that they get. After we 
uh, move a person into a motel, we turn that individual and that motel over to a community-based organization. Mm -hmm. And there are about 15 organizations that we work with, and they all have different rules, different requirements. They all have different levels of services. So one thing that we really have to strengthen is our ability to provide a standard of service for everyone. So with my background, I'm biased. I believe that if you come off the street on that same day, you need to have a physical exam Mm -hmm. with labs. I don't mean forcing it on somebody, but when I've gone out with the outreach workers, I see people who are clearly ill from chronic diseases. Not everybody has substance abuse and mental health. Let's talk about, you use the word, you know, forcing. Um, and that does bring up this issue. I know when uh, when I was growing up in New York City, um, and we won't give away ages, we're about the same age. Uh, <laughs> but when I was growing up in New York City, uh, in those days, boy, I sound old. In those days, <laughs> uh, homeless people who had mental issues, and not all homeless people do, of course, but a fair number of them do, whether it's drugs, right, Right. or alcohol, or both, Mm -hmm. uh, if they were deemed to be a harm to themselves, were institutionalized in in psychiatric hospitals. And then New York State and New York City, of course, systematically shut many of those down for all kinds of reasons, uh, so that even New York City now is complaining that we can't do anything with the people who are without homes, but who also clearly are in need of long-term psychiatric care. Mm -hmm. I realize that that this goes beyond probably the scope of what can be done by the city. It's a bigger problem. But what is the solution to those in the homeless population who they're not going to be you know, being put in a temporary or a permanent home is not the answer for them. Right. What is the answer? So let me just tell you that uh, the sad thing is, is that 50 years ago, we deinstitutionalized people in New mm-hmm. York and all around the country. A promise was made that was never delivered, and that was we were going to build different type of housing for individuals. It never happened. Mm-hmm. I have good news for you. Okay. Because next year on the ballot, we will have an opportunity to vote for a bond measure so that we can build the type of mental health house, uh, housing that is needed. You are absolutely right. There's a percentage of people who are so profoundly ill that they do not know that they're ill. Mm. And I am a very big believer in it. I think it is inhumane to allow people who are profoundly ill to die on the streets and that sometimes people need to be hospitalized against their will. But you know as well as I do, there are people, because uh, this is what happened in New York, mm-hmm. uh, who said, well, that's a, a violation of their civil rights, that if you forcefully make somebody uh, go into a psychiatric hospital, even if it's for their own good, you're, you're, you're somehow robbing them of I, their rights. I, but I, I don't get that. I disagree with that. What I do believe is possible and is true is that anything can be abused, mm-hmm. okay? And it should not be abused. It should be for people that are profoundly ill. I mean, we started talking about, you know, my, my background. It's because I have worked with patients who were so ill, they had no idea they were ill. And so I think the opposite is true, which is to leave a person like that on the street is horrible. But I'm going to tell you something. All you need to do is talk to the family members because the family members will tell 
tell you in a minute, please take my son, please take my daughter, because they're going to die on the street, and I go to bed every night knowing that I'm going to get a call at some point and find out that my relative either hurt somebody or that my relative has been killed. So please take care of them. We're talking with Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, and we will continue that conversation after these messages. Back to Mayor Karen Bass, Year One in Focus, a KNX in-depth special. Here's Chief Correspondent Charles Feldman. I'm here with Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, uh, having now concluded, she, not me, uh, being mayor (laughs) of Los Angeles for a year, now uh, beginning the second year. Let me ask you about about permanent housing, which, of course, is the, the, the goal. But the question then comes up, who pays for permanent housing? And a lot of taxpayers... When you say to them permanent housing, right. part of them goes, yes, they need that, homeless people, they need permanent housing. But then comes the question, but wait a minute, am I as a taxpayer exactly. expected to pay for the rest for of the that re- person's life? Exactly so how does that right. work? Exactly right. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that uh, what needs to happen is when a person is housed on day one, as I mentioned, full physical, meeting with a social worker, and then a plan is in place to address Why did you wind up on the street? Was it money? Was it mental health? Was it substance abuse? Was it a chronic illness? And that needs to be addressed. So to me, permanent housing should be around two years Mm -hmm. to address whatever led. Now, there's a lot of people that are just economically unhoused. I mean, we had a mother call us, because now people call us directly, call us. She had three children, two teenagers and a a primary uh, school-age child. She was living on the street in a tent and working. She had a full-time job. And she called us up and she said, I don't need anything except for first and last month's rent. Can you Mm -hmm. allow me to be in a motel temporarily so I can save up the money? And so we took care of that. I think it's important to to address why people wind up on the street. Now, as we were saying before, some people do need to be taken care of the rest of their life. But that is a minority of the population. You stabilize somebody. You address their reason. We have vacancies in the city, in the county. You get them gainfully employed, and then they should be mainstreamed back into society. Let's go on to a couple of other topics. Uh, as I'm sure you know, uh, there's this axiom uh, in local politics in particular that all that's important is that whoever is in office, they fix the potholes. Right? <laughs> that so is my, true. Right, well, it is, you know, especially if you hit one. Right. Uh, so in the year that you've been mayor, uh-huh. how are we doing in potholes? <laughs> We're doing uh, pretty good. And I forget the number, but it was something like 30,000 potholes were filled. I'll get you an exact number. But here's our problem. In streets services, we have 300 vacancies. And and I remember doing a story on that. Why are there 300 vacancies in a city like Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. I'm sure pays top dollar for that kind of work, right. right? Why can't we find 300 people to do it? Well, I think it's a variety of reasons. Number one, I don't think that the city has aggressively hired, meaning advertised, promoted coming to work for the city. Mm-hmm. So one thing we've done this year is that we've had job fairs all around the city. We've actually hired 2,500 people. So that's the external situation. 
Internally, it takes too long. Hmm. There are civil service tests, which is we have to do by the charter. But the charter doesn't say it has to be a written test. It can be an interview. I mean, when you've gone for jobs or I've gone for jobs, when I'm interviewed, that's a test. It's sure. just an oral exam. That's right. And so we're looking at ways to expedite the hiring, and we're working with our partners in labor to see how we can do that. Uh, we recently had that episode with the 10 freeway yes. and, and the, the uh, horrific fire uh, that really knocked out the service for a while, but not as long as people thought. Uh, but then it was discovered that uh, so many other spots uh, have yes. have things housed and you know nearby That's uh, right. that can cause an issue at the freeways. Are you satisfied with the uh, scope of that investigation and that uh, all is being done that can and should be done to avoid that sort of situation from happening again? And I'll tell you, it's something that I know I certainly didn't think of yeah. and right away wanted to investigate it. But you know the first thing I found out in my investigation? Mm. The city leases property underneath the freeways. <laughs> <laughs> so we went out right away to make sure that we weren't bad actors, and, and we weren't. Uh, but uh, there so you don't, are... So to be, on, to be <clears throat> clear about that, so the city doesn't have any material that's no, housed, no, no, no. that's it, put in? We, it's not problematic. It's not problematic. No, okay. no, no. What we have are, for example, police cars and things like that, but no no stacking up wood all the way to the top of nothing the freeway. Nothing potentially flammable. Right. Nothing potentially flammable. Right. Uh, but we did, uh, the our fire chief, Kristen Crowley, did find, I think, about 18 sites that are problematic. So we are beginning to address those. But with our partners in, in Sacramento, what, what, what it turns out is this is a national issue. Property is leased down under freeways all around the country. But I hope that the incident that happened here raised is the awareness. There was also a lot of uh, assumption that it was a homeless encampment mm. that led to that fire. There's no way. There were encampments nearby, but they weren't even close to the freeway that would have started the fire. And we know it was arson. We know it was an individual. Uh, and so we'll find out who that person was eventually. Many cities uh, in this country have not really recovered uh, fully from the pandemic, uh, which I find both interesting and troubling. I, I've traveled a bit out of the country since the pandemic began. And uh, in places like, uh, you know, Barcelona, Rome, uh, those cities seem to have done a better job in many ways than New York City, for example, mm -hmm. or or even, frankly, L.A., mm -hmm. in recovering financially and, and even in a spiritual way, the spirit of the city. Why do you think, if you agree with that premise, why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think that there are a lot of factors. I think the biggest factor that hasn't returned is um, people are still working from home, so remote work. And I, I actually think that going through that crisis for literally close to three years, mm. I think that's a fundamental change in work. And I also think it's a fundamental change in education because people have learned how to be as productive. So it was a real challenge for me coming in as mayor, having to build an administration. I did not want to go to remote work right. because you have to build a team. You can't just hire everybody and then you never see them <laughs> except for on a screen. Right. People have to work and, and build community. And so we were not allowed 
allowing uh, remote work. But I will tell you, though, that the workforce is challenged because a lot of people now won't accept jobs if they don't have the flexibility uh, for remote, remote work. So you have even to for, come up for city jobs. For yes, exactly. Really, they, city so they'll say well. we'll take the job, but only if I can work partly at home. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so some people, and I mean um, higher level administrative sure. jobs, right. uh, not the city services. Yeah, no, 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 right. You got to come in to fill those potholes. <laughs> right. But um, that would actually be interesting to be able to do that, <laughs> fill a pothole from home. But okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Call me when you need me. Uh, um, but we have had people turn down positions because oh. they wanted to work remote. So now we're having to figure out what's the happy medium. We cannot go five days a week, four days a week. You know, so we'll come up with some compromise, but we haven't established it yet. So just the other day, we all learned that uh, Los Angeles is going to get the 2027 Super Bowl, and I know you're excited about that. I absolutely am. I mean, just think about it, L.A. World Cup 2026, Super Bowl 2027, and Olympics 2028. We have a lot going on, which means that we have to work very hard. Well, what do we have to do? Well, we have to get people off the street. We don't want the world to come here and see our wonderful city and people living and dying on the street. We have to improve our public transportation, and we need to beautify the city. Instead of graffiti, I want to see murals, murals that tell the story of L.A. So going ahead for the next year, homeless uh, homeless issue, of course, uh, a big one still on your mm-hmm. radar screen. Mm-hmm. What's the next biggest thing for the next year? Well, the, the biggest thing for me, and I feel like we've established a real strong foundation. Now, all that fast-tracking that we did, fast-tracking to get housing built, fast-tracking for businesses to open, I want to see that actually happen. I hope to go to so many ribbon cuttings next year that I'll be tired of them. <laughs> so, in the year that you've been, year plus now, uh, Mayor, uh, what was the most surprising thing you learned on the job? Well, uh, how massive Los Angeles is, I know that in terms of the geography, but just the infrastructure of the city, all of our assets. I mean, thinking of things like the observatory, I know that that's the city, but you know, you don't really think of it until now. That's my responsibility, right. the level of responsibility, and also just all of the support and the love that I've received this year has been amazing. Any disappointments? Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, maybe there was disappointment about seeing how broken uh, some systems are, especially in relation to homelessness. And in terms of cooperation with the federal government, are mm-hmm. you concerned uh, that that may change the administration in Washington after the next presidential election? Well, I, listen, <laughs> if we have to go through another four years of Trump, I think our country, and I'm very serious about this, will be in, in very serious trouble. All right. That's a uh, last word uh, from Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass. Mayor, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with us on In Depth, and we hope to have you back soon. Anytime. I always enjoy being here. 